This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. And welcome to Recruiting Roundup. Recruiting Roundup is our weekly show that drops on Fridays, bringing you all the news and analysis from this past week of recruiting and college football. You can follow and interact with us on all social media accounts at Prospects 101 Pod. I'm Kenny Keller, and I'm joined by newly engaged Brandon Glessner. Hey, check him out. That's right. Yeah, we. Uh... I broke the news to all of our listeners uh, when Passo and I did the uh, AAC prospects to watch. But yes, uh, oh, that's right. Engaged. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. This is the first yeah. show you and I have done since you've been here. That's right. Uh, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, that's, right. that's that's right. Yeah, no. So we did that. Uh, still all whirlwind. Now we have the fun part, which is planning a wedding, which should be interesting enough. So <laughs> yeah, you know, quickly go from a high to a uh, hey, good. You know, good luck. Good luck, How you gonna right? pay for this and you know all that good stuff? Well, I guess I should say freshly traveled, Brandon Glessner, because you just got back from the PNW. That's right, from the Pacific Northwest. I was in Seattle for a week. Yeah, um, did you did you get out to UW at all? I did get out to UW, and that was closed down. Let me tell you about this, man. It was kind of wild. So I I I went to Husky Stadium, you know, kind of do my normal bit to see if the doors unlocked or whatever, <laughs> or take a look at the practice field, and there wasn't a soul in the practice field. And I took a look at the stadium, and there was only one door that was like open or unlocked, and it was basically three people sitting at a table essentially checking guys in my guess is that it was it, like they were doing COVID tests and they're getting their results back and things like that. But what was kind of wild is as I'm walking around the stadium, my fiance and I, and I'm just kind of, kind of peeking in seeing if like maybe a player or two is working out on the field or whatever. They actually use the main concourse and use that as their weight room now. And it was like on multiple parts of the concourse, mm-hmm. they have like little weightlifting pods. So I thought that was, Super interesting when yeah. I pe- peeked in. Um, guess they're just – I mean, I'm guessing that's for the football team, um, but I guess it could be for any fall sport coming. But well, uh, did, Yeah, d- yeah, dig it up to UW. Um, obviously, it's a bit empty, figuring that 
school is going to be online and stuff like that. Yep. Just the city in Seattle in general was pretty pretty closed down. Um, you know, when I got out there, the the governor 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 made a a ruling that like bars had to close at ten o'clock and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And so it, it was, you know, at at the end of the day, it was beautiful. It was 70, 70 75 degrees, Ugh. no cloud in the sky every single day. While back here in Virginia, you guys are dealing with a hundred and humidity for so like six I was, for like six straight days. You picked a great week to leave. Oh, and well, dude, that's Seattle in the summer, though, man. It's always beautiful like that. Nice, it's great. Well, speaking of workouts and 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 you know college football and, and the college football season, some big big news this week. Honestly, the two biggest pieces of news this week. We'll start with the AAC, or sorry, we'll start with the ACC since it's our home. Uh, Conference, but the ACC has revised their schedule. They are going to go with the 10 plus 1 schedule. What that means is they announced that they will play 10 in-conference football games this year, so 10 ACC games. Gosh, I can't talk today, Gless. 10 ACC games plus one out-of-conference game, and the out-of-conference game has to be located in your home state. So essentially – Wake's probably going to play App State, although rumors are that they're shooting for Elon because they want to push App State to next year when they know fans will travel uh, because they were they were really relying on the gate from the App State fans that come to the Wake game. But odds are they'll probably play, at, I'm assuming, App State or Elon will, will be what they are, but they have to be within your state. So Clemson will have to play like the Citadel or so, or somebody like that. Which they do anyways. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of these schools already do that. It'll, it'll be interesting. You see schools like, you know, ECU, UNC Charlotte, you know, yeah. the, they'll probably end up playing, you know, UNC, NC State, yep. um, Duke. North, yep, Duke. Yeah, you know what I mean as far – I mean, there's only so many schools, I guess, that can play each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look, at, you look at a school like South Carolina, you have Clemson, South Carolina um, – well, I guess well, if we only talk about the A, I'm sorry, the only the A or ACC. Um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think the biggest part of the news is that Notre Dame is the card carrying member yes. of the uh, ACC in 2020. Yep. The other thing that's super going to be fun to watch is there's no divisions. Yeah. Right. It's all it is a free for all. Our top two teams play in the national cha- or in the ACC championship, which you know, I mean, let's just. Call it what it is. More than likely, it will be Notre Dame and Clemson in the yeah, ACC championship, which I believe they play this year in the regular season. Yes, if I'm not I, mistaken. Yeah, they were. They were initially. I know there's been an update on uh, the schedule, but I, I'd assume that game is still on the books. I mean, although if I was the ACC, I would get it off the books, and that way you're not having you know like. Like I think it stinks that OU and Texas now play twice a year technically. Like if they if they play, you know, in the regular season and if they get together and play in the Big Twelve championship, they play each other again. I think that kind of stinks. I think that takes away from the rivalry. But gosh, I don't know. I I don't remember if if they're playing each other or not. I think they are still. I would I would imagine they still are. But um, yeah, you know what they are because I think everybody has their original schedule, and then they just added two games. They are. Yeah, Clemson plays at Notre Dame they, yeah. on the on the 7th of November. Okay. Um, you know, it's a primetime game, 730. It, it'll be interesting to see how that works because 
obviously they play each other. That'll be one of the premier games, not only in the ACC, but in the country. Yeah. And then more than likely, assuming that neither team kind of screws up and loses to a UNC or a Wake Forest or Virginia Tech or Virginia, you would assume that they would then play again in the ACC championship game. Although, you know, nothing is guaranteed, especially in this, kind of wild, wild west of the yeah. season that we're going to have. I mean, if if there was a season for their Clemson and Notre Dame to not be in the ACC championship, it would be this season. Right. Because right. um, when they originally came out with this news, I was like, huh, I wonder if they're going to put them, put them in the Coastal or the Atlantic. Are they going to put them with Clemson or not? And I think they just copped out and just said, well, we don't want to – yeah, we don't want to create unbalance or, or whatever they did. The other thing's interesting is the NBC money is not yes. going to be split. So that's what I was ACC say. teams yeah. are excited. Notre Dame, not that excited. No, no. And then I, as a Wake fan, I'm super pumped about that because, hey, it's more money in Wake's pocket this year uh, with, with the NBC money coming in that Notre Dame usually gets all to themselves. But also it's big because Wake was going to play Notre Dame in Charlotte. And that that was considered a quote-unquote home game for Wake Forest, which you might think like, well, that's not fair to Wake. They don't get to play at BB&T Field. But actually, Wake was all was was super pumped about it because the gate that was going to come in more for gate it, which, money. Oh, oh yeah, it was going to be exponentially more. I think they're going to lose out on like two million extra dollars because they don't get to play that game. But now we get the NBC money coming in. It makes up for it a little bit, and that really helps out Wake. Yeah. So, going to be interesting. I'm excited to see Notre Dame in the ACC. I'll be more excited when you know 2021 rolls around and they're back to being an independent. I've always thought that was kind of a cool thing that Notre Dame you know, kind yeah. of get, is there. I, they're a national brand, which I think is cool. I like that they have. They're kind of a holdout, uh, but. Yeah. From, it's going to be fun. As an ACC fan, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame typically plays a uh, ACC schedule anyway, but now they're going to be officially in it, and they're going to be in the standings. So really yeah. cool. And I, I, go, go ahead, Gus. Yeah, I think just one last thing, too. Um, just because of the scheduling rules, one of the things that we'll now see, I think we're all used to seeing um, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game matches matchups in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, always decent matchup. Kenny, you and I went a couple of years ago. We watched yep. University of Washington versus Auburn, which was a which was an awesome experience. But Florida State, West Virginia, Virginia, um, Georgia, Georgia, and That's North Carolina, cool. Auburn, which I was excited for because I thought Auburn could be on upset alert that week. Yeah, um, they're they're all gone. All the neutral all site stuff is pretty much done with. I know they just announced that Notre Dame, Georgia Tech they were going to be playing in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Now they're going to be playing in Georgia Tech instead of – they're going to be playing on the campus instead of at the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Um, so, yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the neutral site stuff or the, or the or stuff playing in the NFL stadiums are now finished. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every time an item starts at $0 and you only go up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or that item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra $100 in free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. 
go to deal-.com and use the offer code prospects101 or deal-.fm backslash prospects101. That's deal-d-e-a-d-a-s-h dot f-m backslash prospects101. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a new series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Which, speaking of the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta in the heart of SEC country, the SEC announced today that they will be playing a 10-game in-conference schedule only. So it's 10 SEC games, and it actually doesn't kick off until September 26th. So, like, they're starting Wait. almost a month after a lot of conferences are starting. Now, a lot of conferences have built in bye weeks and everything, but – uh, yeah, the SEC is now kicking off September 26th, and and that officially canceled all their rivalry games at a conference. So Clemson, South Carolina is gone. Uh, Georgia Tech, Georgia is done. Louisville and Kentucky are gone, and Univer- and Florida, Florida State are gone. So I, I know I w- it was interesting because the ACC definitely put pressure on the SEC by announcing their 10 ACC games plus one out of conference and basically stipulating that, oh, the out of conference game has to be in state. And I think that was the ACC trying to put pressure on the SEC to keep those rivalry games. But the SEC definitely is not doing that. They're in conference only. So those big rivalry games are over, out of conference are over. And I, and, and I think the biggest question is, the biggest grumble is what's going to happen to Georgia-Florida because normally they play in Jacksonville, and Georgia's AD already raised concerns. He already came out. The politics are already starting, Gless. He came out go. and said, well, we don't want – because I guess they're technically the home team this year. And he's like, well, you know, if Florida comes and plays at Georgia this year, I'm concerned that we're going to have to – it's going to be uh, you know, quid pro quo, and we're going to have to go back and play in Florida next year in 2021, and it's going to be a packed house which I, I think is the dumbest take ever because I, I, I would imagine if they play in Georgia with no fans, it's not – the home, A, the home field advantage is gone. The only thing that's different is you're traveling there, but there's no fans to deal with. I, I don't think that they're going to have to go play in Florida next year. i got to imagine to go back to a neutral site game in 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's – It's also petty. I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a little bit petty, isn't it? But <laughs> – you know, I, it is what it is. I, it, it's, I, I, I'm not sure I really have much of an, I know. I'm really not sure I have, a, have much of an opinion on it. I, I mean, again, they followed suit. I mean, they followed suit with what yep. the, the, Pac, the, the Pac-12 and the ACC did. It uh, looks like they're going to keep their, their division format that it isn't uh, free-for-all, uh, which is good. I, I actually like keeping the divisions there. I think the divisions are fun, and it's going to be some big-time games there, too. 
So <clears throat> I like that they still did that. Uh, one of the questions, if they have 10 games and what's in these divisions? Six teams in these divisions? Uh, yeah, it's six and six. They have 12. So they'll have three games out of division. Um, so, I mean, kind of seems like a normal SEC schedule, right? The only thing that is interesting is that the title game will actually be held, check this date, Kenny, December 19th. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're in bowl time time at that point right mm-hmm. like one one of the things i always remember about championship saturday is that there's championship saturday and then the next weekend is army navy and the heisman yeah. and championship saturday is so much fun to watch especially the sec championship um but yeah i mean these are different times man so they're they're still trying to make this and keep this the best option to preserve the integrity of the season well and that's also um, and it's also exam season too like that's the reason there's there's a break between you know the Heisman and and everything that goes on right at the end of the season until bowl season is so they can knock out exams. Yeah. So now now they're going to be playing games during exam week too, which will be interesting. Well, now it's the Big Twelve, man. They're the lone they're the lone ranger. They they got to make a decision on what they're going to do. Well, and um, argue and, and and I guess their hands are forced. I mean, unless they just decide to pick up a bunch of G five teams. As at a conference team uh, uh, opponents, I mean their hands are pretty much forced. They can't. No other program other than the ACC is is playing at a conference, and the only way they can play at a conference game is in the Big Twelve is if they're in if they're in an ACC state. Which off the top of my head, I don't think there's any crossover there between the Big Twelve and the ACC. Is there? Um. No, I don't. I no, don't think I so. Don't, no, I don't think there is. I mean. The, the furthest east they go is West Virginia. West Virginia. That's what I thought, yeah. Um, so, no. Yeah, so. No, everything is kind of normal. It's Baylor, Oklahoma, I mean, the same schools. It's yeah, I mean, they're all Southwest Texas. Conference, yeah. Yeah, I, well, right. And one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, look, there, there's ten teams. So, I would get if it's ten, if it's ten-game season, right, you have nine in conference and then – one out of conference, yeah. One out of conference, maybe pick up a G5. I mean, there's enough G5. In I mean, state. For, yeah, in, yeah in Texas, state should, Texas. Texas should have no Texas issue. Texas has like <laughs> eight of them. Um, you know, you're going to run into problems if you get like schools like Oklahoma. I mean, oh, I guess Tulsa's in there. I yeah. Could, oh, who's it, Who would be in West Virginia? Marshall. Marshall would be someone in Marshall West Virginia be, they could pick yeah. up. Yeah. Kansas? Is there anybody else in Kansas besides Kansas State? Oh, gosh, dude. I don't know who would be G5 in Kansas. I don't even think there is any. Yeah. I don't well, at that point, you just Iowa. Like, hey, hey, Kansas, go ahead and take go ahead and take a game off. <laughs> it's not going to matter anyway. They're going to be at the bottom of the Big 12 anyway. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting, man. I got a feeling Big 12 is going to eventually just go uh, conference only. I think the ACC is probably going to be the only conference that sticks to the the one at a conference game. And I think, honestly, that was just to appease Notre Dame because Notre yeah. Dame's probably going to want to – I think Notre Dame's probably just going to pay Navy a bunch of money to come to South Bend. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's what I would think. They're going to get around that in, the in-state rule and most likely – Well, the only other in-state thing would be Indiana or Purdue, yeah. right? Don't yeah. they play Purdue every year? Purdue! Yeah, I think they play Purdue. So that – I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's – I'm not really up on Indiana football that much. Well, so. again, those they're not playing at a conference games, so Big oh, Ten's yeah. not. So, yeah, like I said, yeah, it, I don't know. It's going to be – it's a sticky wicket, that's for sure. We, it's, there's a thousand different things we could th- th- theorize on, but uh, at the end of the day, 
SEC's in-conference only, ACC's in-conference only, plus one at a conference game that needs to be in-state. Now, the biggest thing, uh, which is another storyline to follow that we saw this week, is Caleb Farley, star cornerback for Virginia Tech, has opted out of the 2020 season. Now, that's a Mm. huge loss for them because he's arguably probably the best player on both sides of the football in terms of just overall skill set. Probably one of the best players on the team, but – He's also a pretty much guaranteed first-round pick in next year's draft. So that begs the question, are we going to see a lot more guys who are estimated or projected to be you know, first-round locks or at least first- and second-round locks just opting out and saying, hey, I'm just going to get ready for the draft. Like, that's all I'm going to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I think if the name was a bigger name – and they played for a potential national title contender, I think you could start to see some dominoes fall there. Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense to Caleb Farley, but, I mean, he he might be a first-round draft pick. And if he's a first-round draft pick, he'll be taken at the end of the first anyways. He's right. not a, not a can't-miss pro, but if a Trevor Lawrence or a Penny, uh, Penny Sewell, uh, you know, decides to opt out or a, a Travis Etienne or Najee Harris says, no, nah, I'm not playing – then I could see some potential dominoes starting to fall a little bit. But I guess I'm a little bit confused about Caleb Farley opting out of the season because, in theory, it ends way before NFL draft time anyways. So from what I was reading, this wasn't really NFL-driven. This was more kind of his family-driven, but I don't know how true that is. So – I don't know. I don't think there's going to be a trend, Kenny. I, I really don't. I, I feel bad for tech fans. And, I, you know, Brad, it seems like we beat up on Brad Pastel every episode because something bad happens to Virginia Tech. But, man, this is a huge loss for, yeah. in my opinion, is going to be a really good season for Virginia Tech yep. because of the talent they have coming back. And to be honest with you, I don't know how many great seasons are coming in the future with the way they've been recruiting. Right. So, and now you lose – probably your best secondary player, man, that's tough. And, um, and, and yeah, this, that's tough. you know, we all we've heard from our Virginia Tech buddies is this is the year, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year that they're going to be really, really, really good. They got all these guys returning, et cetera. And, and, you know, yeah, you lose Caleb Farley and that's a huge, huge blow, man. So as a Virginia fan and a Wake Forest fan, I, I'm not that upset about it. And honestly, I respect his decision. I get it. It's not. I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision to make, and I'm not going to knock anybody who opts out of the season with everything that's going on right now. But just from a, fierce, uh, a pure selfish standpoint, you know, it, it it always puts a smile on my face when Virginia has to Virginia Tech has to overcome some adversity. <laughs> Oh, no. But uh, speaking of ACC football, two big uh, recruits this week for Clemson. They signed two four-star commits, Derek Pennington, offensive guard, and Peyton Page, defensive tackle, which desperately needed. They had kind of fallen from about third in the rankings to almost borderline out of the top ten, and now they've shot back up to fourth. in the top 10, or sorry, third in the overall ranking. So big week for them. And then Bama continues its hot streak. They signed their second best player of the class, defensive tackle Damon Payne, five-star commit. Uh, And they're now second in the country. And they're starting to put some pressure on Ohio State for number one. Now that's not – 
they're not close yet to jumping Ohio State or or being right there with them, but they have the same amount of five-star commits, and they're only, I think, three, four-star commits down in the same number of they three. Are. And the yep. same number of three-star commits. So th- if they have a big week here the next week or two and they sign a couple of four-star commits, they're going to do the unthinkable and le- le- leap Ohio State, which would put a big smile on my face to take the audio from earlier in the year with Brandon Pastel talking about how Bam was down recruiting and they end up with the number one overall class. That would be yeah. hilarious. What I think is interesting about Bama, if you take a look at what they've done in their ridiculous hot streak since really the end of May when it comes to recruiting, look, man, it's all on the offense and defensive lines. I I mean, they are getting studs, five stars on the offensive line, five stars on the defensive line. I mean, win kind of the Bama way, which is winning up front and and really wearing, wearing down your opponent. It would also be insane if they jumped Ohio State because a lot of people – thought that Ohio State may have the best recruiting class ever. Yeah. And if Bama comes through and, and, and is able to jump them, it shows what a job that, that Alabama staff is doing and getting really high, you know, high talent. And, you know, Bama's still around, man. You know, I know they had a, uh, they had a down season last year. Obviously, with Tua getting hurt, really changed a lot of things. Uh, but, man, they, they, they're just a machine. They're reloading. And, then you talk about Clemson. Clemson doing yep. what they do, man, getting other more four-stars, getting guys that they love, uh, getting Southeast guys. So, you know, kind of the rich get richer, I guess you could say. But big week for Clemson. It was good yep. to see them kind of get a little bit of momentum uh, here. And I think it's going to – look, man, I think when it's all said and done, I think you're going to see the same three teams at the top, and that's Ohio State, Bama, and Clemson. Yep. I don't – I, I, mean, know, I, would, I think it's going to stay that way. I don't think anybody uh, – let LSU may get a commit here or there that may run them the money. And then you're talking about Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, and LSU. Yeah, and, and Georgia. So, and Georgia's inevitably going to be – because if you look at Georgia's average recruiting ranking, average recruiting ranking, their, their star ranking's high. They just don't have the number of commits that all the teams in front of them do. I mean, at the end of the day, look, man – the, the top five, I guarantee you, is going to end up being in any particular order, like you just talked about. Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, LSU, and Georgia. That'll be your top five. Yeah. I, I yeah. guarantee you. And, and it's the same five teams that have been in and out of the playoffs every year, minus Oklahoma, who I'm sure will be right around there at six or seven. So it, it, it's business as usual for the, for the big dogs, for the blue bloods, and I'll say this. I, I will say this. I, I don't think Alabama's going to end. They might catch Ohio State here in the next week or two if they get a flurry of recruits. But Ohio State's also, like, number one in about five or six four-star crystal ball prediction predict projections for um, for commits for, the, for Ohio State off of 24-7 sports. And they're yeah. like, and they're like, I think they have one or two five-star guys that they're leading in that projection they, too. They are. I think the the, the kid out of uh, state of Washington, yeah, um, defensive tackle. He's the second overall ranked prospect. Yep. I think it's Ohio State, Alabama, and and the Huskies that are yep. that are in for his services. So, so it's it yeah, it, it, swing. the death of of Alabama by our colleague was greatly exaggerated, and but Ohio State probably. My money would still be on them to land the number one overall recruiting class. And like you yeah. said, probably have a historic class. So, like I said, like we talk about less business as usual, man. The, the, the rich get richer. So, uh, nothing's changing on that end. And now, speaking of the FCS, 
Two things that caught my eye this week were uh, two names that entered the transfer portal, and that's Shane Simpson running back from Towson. This guy's really interesting. He's a sixth-year senior. He was granted a sixth year of eligibility because he's, he's had two knee injuries throughout his career. But when healthy, he is absolutely electric. He he's based, he's a primary his primary position is running back, but he also plays special teams. And he finished second in all the FCS with 171 and a half all-purpose yards per game uh, in 2018. He was honored as a first-team All-American. He was a second-team All-American by Hero Sports. He was the CAA uh, Special Teams Player of the Year and all and three-time All-Conference selection, first team at running back. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on about the accolades that this guy has when he's healthy. The biggest issue is he just can't stay healthy. He tore his ACL last year. Uh, sorry, yeah, and those, that, those stats and figures were from 2018. 2019, he only played, I think, two or three games before he got hurt. So it would be interesting to see where he ends up. He'll obviously be eligible immediately with his sixth season, and he's a running back. So the good thing is his running backs tend to – tend to only take about a week or two to get ingrained in an offense and and he should be fine. So he'll probably yeah, everybody nice kinda team. runs the yeah. same stuff in the he, run game. So. He'll be a nice depth piece for somebody for sure, especially if he goes to a bigger P five school or he could start for a G five program or at least be a, in a timeshare a running back on committee for a G five program. And then Devin Darrington, a Harvard running back who has been uh, basically a, a key figure in that offense the last two seasons he's been he's split time he wasn't the workhorse running back but he had over 700 yards two years in a row I think 1500 yards total the last two seasons Gless he was the running back if you remember in the Harvard Yale game two years ago where he was running into the end zone it was like a 30 yard touchdown run and he started pointing at the Yale running back and like waving him over a defensive back waving him over like hey you're not going to be able to catch me and he got flagged for it and they took the touchdown off the board because in college if you taunt on your way to the end zone that's where the spot of the foul is you act the touchdown actually doesn't count so that was that's what he's most known for. That's the uh, most Ivy League rule ever. And I understand it's a college football league, but it's so Ivy League to call that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he that's what he's most known for, but a, a really solid running back. Um, not, not necessarily special by any means, but a very, very solid guy. A very, and Harvard runs, you know, a lot of eye formation, a lot of pro-style offense. He, and, and he's been very – one of the strengths he's had is he's a great pass blocker. And so he's – and you can't have enough of those guys at running back who are willing to be good pass blockers. So I'd imagine he'll probably find a spot in a lower P5, a high – you know, into a high G5 program um, as well, and he'll be eligible immediately. So those are two of the biggest F pieces of FCS news I saw this week. Now, Gless, why don't you go ahead and, and fill us in on our G5 top five and then the top ten overall as we start to wrap today's show up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the top of the G5, uh, no surprise here, Memphis, uh, again, regarded as one of the best program G5 programs in the country. Hey, we got a little bit of movement, though, Kenny. We got FAU coming in, number yep. two, at the, sa the second-highest G5 program. They're 43rd overall. Cincinnati. Uh, which I believe will be a top five program, uh, top five G5 uh, ranking probably all year. 
App State and SMU, they round out the top five. Kenny, mm-hmm. no real shocker there. Those are five outstanding G5 programs. Yeah. So no shocker. They're starting to get some really solid recruits in there, and they're really climbing up the boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think FAU, obviously, Deion Sanders' son, uh, four-star quarterback committing there was a big boost in the arm for them, and I'm sure it's probably attracting – other recruits as well. I think if you're if you've got an offer out to FAU and that's one of the better offers you have, or maybe even not quite the top offer but close to it, you're looking at that and saying, "Hey, I'd love to go play with Dion's son. I'd love to go play for Willie Taggart." Um, you know, Willie, that's a good start for Willie. You know, he didn't have the greatest start at FSU, so at FAU to kind of bring in one of the top G5 classes in your first year would be a nice shot in the arm for him and and really set him off on the right foot. You know, he's got some talent there already. Lane Kiffin did a really good job at recruiting in his three years there. So the cupboard isn't bare. He has some good grad, he has some good uh, grad transfers there, transfer portal guys as well. So FAU looking up, that's for sure. Yeah. Now uh, let's go into the top 10 for the, for the power five. No shocker here, Alabama, I'm sorry, Ohio State at the top. They've been in the top this whole time. Mm-hmm. Alabama, two. Clemson, three. Oregon making some nice movement up to four. Tennessee at five. LSU, six. USC still in the top ten there, so nice movement from uh, from the Trojans. Got eight. You have UNC. Uh, Mac led, uh, the Mac Brown led uh, UNC, uh, UNC Tar Heels. And yep. then uh, University of Michigan at nine, and then rounding out the top ten is the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, and the Miami Hurricanes obviously bolstered by bolstered by a, fi- a surprise five star commit from James Williams, who was a five star athlete. But yeah, no surprise. I mean, the top ten has pretty much been these ten throughout most of the last couple of weeks. Outside, you know, they've kind of been flip flopping inside the top ten, but there really hasn't been any introduction. You know, new guys or, 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 you know, other than Bama, I think Bama knocked out Texas. But other than that, it's been, this has pretty much been the 10 we've seen throughout most of the year, which, you know, again, at the end of the day, not really a surprise. Oh, although I question whether Miami's going to develop their talent or not. <laughs> they, they, well, have they have, they've had, yeah, I mean, they haven't developed the talent in, a, in about a decade. So, <laughs> you know. You know how I feel uh, about the U. Yeah, no, I wanted to. I wanted to get I, you We going shouldn't even that. call them the U anymore. Uh, when you get shut out by Louisiana Tech in a bowl game, you lose the right to call yourself the U. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I think uh, what's always what's interesting too is you got Bama, LSU, um, you know, in the top, in Tennessee, right there in the top six. Three of those are SEC schools, so. SEC doing their thing and recruiting once again. And then you've got Ohio State and Michigan repping the Big Ten, and then Clemson, UNC, and Miami repping the uh, ACC. So we've got a pretty decent scatter shot. And then Oregon, the lone Pac-12 representative in the Big 12. But I think uh, I think it bodes well for the ACC having three schools in the top ten. Like, I, I like to see it, man. It, I'm I, I really want to see the ACC get back to being one of those preeminent conferences. I, I don't like it. I don't like it when they're down. I like when they're, you know, being a being a home ACC guy. It makes me happy to see three guys represented, three teams represented in the top ten. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that one hundred percent. Punching along with further heavyweights. So, well, you know, like we talked about, 
ACC, SEC schedule changes, the biggest news of the week. Make sure you do yourself a favor and go read up the, on the finer points of those. You're going to want to be definitely reading up on that so you're informed as to what the schedules are going to look like. I know the ACC has already released their team-by-team schedule. The SEC has not. They are going to be using a algorithm based on strength of schedule on the already existing eight SEC games that were already on the schedule. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of conspiracy theories thrown out there once the other two games are released because that's how the SEC fans are. They are super political when it comes to the schedule, and you know there's going to be a bunch of angry callers into the Paul Feinbaum show once they announce the the next two uh, games on the schedule because somebody's inevitably going to get hosed. And if it's a bigger program and it's not like Vanderbilt or Kentucky, then Paul Feinbaum's going to have a busy, busy day, that's for sure. Yep, yep, no doubt about it. (laughs) Well, you can follow and interact with the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Prospects101Pod. We're always posting throughout the week. Make sure you listen to us on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. Wherever you're listening to us right now, make sure you subscribe. We're on all the big ones. Stay up to date with all of our episodes. A lot of great interviews upcoming, more great content. Make sure to give us a five-star review as well. We really appreciate that. It helps us spread the word and grow the show and to continue to create more awesome content for all of our listeners. For Brandon Glessner, I'm Kenny Keller. Have a great weekend.